is Wyman and Bob on Seattle Sports Station. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Streaming live on the Seattle Sports app and at seattlesports.com. Now, here are your hosts, Dave Wyman and Bob Stelton. Just one of the many guys we look forward to speaking with each and every week. We are lucky to have the opportunity to just exchange thoughts and ideas with this man each and every week. And he's with us on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. He's the knower of all, the seer of all when it comes to Major League Baseball and the National Hockey League. John Morosi is with us. How are you, man? Bob and Dave, I am outstanding, my friends. Uh, and I was listening intently to your uh, your great series of interviews there at, at Mariners Media Day. And, oh. and I'm, uh, I'm, I'm speaking here uh, from a, a very cold and snowy state of Michigan. And so when I hear Jerry DePoto's voice and I hear Colton Wong's excitement at joining the Mariners, it, it makes me want to get to T-Mobile uh, for a lot of baseball in 2023. And I'll tell you what. I also heard this part of the interview because I was listening to it pretty closely. Uh, I think I'm buying stock in Bryce Miller right now uh, because, yeah. you know, as, as Jerry described him, I, I was nodding my head saying, okay, uh, big, tall, strong guy from Texas who throws 101 miles an hour. That's, I could sign up for that. That sounds pretty good. Yeah, you know, it. it he's always very positive. And everything. By the way, I saw today, I was mentioning this earlier, we were talking about a Cal Raleigh bobblehead and that maybe his head should bobble and his big dumper should possibly <laughs> bobble. But <laughs> Two parts of that that doll should bobble. Yes. Oh, that's, yeah. that's great. But I saw it's... like some kind of a little J.P. Morosi on, on uh, MLB Network where it's like your head, but it's on like a little body or something like that. Yeah, is there it? you go. Yeah. So there is actually, as as we're speaking now, um, I, I'm I'm looking at at my office display, and I, I have the, there is the bobblehead of my of my three colleagues who who are the the legitimate stars of the show on MLB Central: Lauren Shahadi, Robert Flores, and Mark DeRosa. So that that bobblehead is behind me every day on the show. Okay, uh, and so I I. I do not deserve a bobblehead. Trust me, I am. I am more than happy to to do what I do every morning, which is uh, drive my kids to school in the minivan, and then make oh. sure that I'm home and back in my chair. Literally, uh, the show starts at nine Eastern. I am back in my chair at eight fifty nine and fifty seconds. I, I've <laughs> I've I've done all my prep before that, of course, as you guys know in the broadcasting world. But in terms of actually physically getting there. Um, I I'm get I am I'm in that chair at eight fifty nine and fifty seconds. It was funny. Uh, <laughs> I got a text. We had a producer uh, on the show who was not always on the show um, this week, and it was eight fifty eight. And I was just parking the car in the driveway, and I got a text from the producer saying, uh, "John, are you uh, are you planning to come to work today?" Uh, and I, <laughs> yeah, I got it. I'll be there in ten seconds. And sure enough, I was. So yeah, so that, so I I leave the the star stuff. The people in studio. I'm just a guy. Driving my minivan and uh, talking about baseball and hockey. Really? That's, that's what I do. <laughs> Seriously, JP, really a, a minivan? You don't have to. I know you have kids and everything, but you don't have to, you don't oh, have to give in to that. Are you kidding Come me? On. The minivan is awesome. And, and, and so for it's many awesome. reasons, I love my minivan. <laughs> it's uh, awesome. It, the, the sliding doors are crucial. And as you guys know, we are a, we are a skating and hockey family. There is no True. vehicle. And, I, and I, I trust that I have uh, parents nodding their heads as I say this in Seattle. If you're a hockey family, if you're a sports family, you've got all these different kinds of gear. I think I counted the other day. We have like six hockey sticks and, and five pairs of skates in the back. It's just it's a nice it gives you the space you need, and I, I'm comfortable in there. I own it, 
and I feel pretty good. All right. That's all right. Yeah. I don't know. I just couldn't see JP. I feel like it's one of those really old fashioned, big boxy ones. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But. It's, yeah it's, it, it's a big one. I mean, it really is. Basically, in our neighborhood, the question is always do you drive the Odyssey or the Pacifica? That, that, that's sort of like the big essential question. Is that right? Okay. Uh, yeah. I'm, I, guys, I got to tell you, I'm pretty. I'm pretty lame. I, I'm, I'm pretty. Uh, <laughs> no. I'm a pretty. I'm a pretty. Uh, a pretty boring and simple guy. Hey, yeah. John. We, we've spent obviously a ton of time talking about what the Mariners did or did not add. I'm curious to get your take on the New York Mets, who were as active as anybody could possibly sure. hope to be. Is there a move that they made that you think was the one that really? I mean, they were a good team last year, obviously, but they they were incredibly active. Is there one you looked at and went, "That's it. That's the one that if everybody's healthy, that's the World Series team." Verlander's the difference maker for me, and okay. uh, if if he's healthy. Now, obviously, um, he is darn near 40 years old. Uh, I assume he does not drive a minivan, by the way. I'm going to make a very, very bold prediction there. Or it's a uh, really expensive, sporty one. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, so I, I think that Justin, he takes such great care of himself. Uh, you, you just saw how dominant he still is, and maybe he wasn't at his peak in the postseason, but still – really good, was able to win a game for the Astros in the World Series. Um, I think getting him and Scherzer in the same rotation, th- there was so much made about their relationship and do they always get along. I-, I think it's good competitive makeup on the part of both of them. I, I know them both well. I've covered them both for a lot of years. Uh, I-, I think that it's totally on brand that when that when Justin is watching Max that he'll say, I hope he does great. And then I hope I do better the next time. And that's that's exactly how they're going to be time after time all season long. And so for me, it's it's that, but also retaining their own guys. The, Edwin Diaz, who you know well, of course. Uh, Edwin, they had to re-sign him as a free agent. They had to re-sign Brandon Nimmo. Um, they were able to lock up McNeil on a long-term extension. So I think overall, you know, they, they missed out on Correa, and that was a lot of conversation for a couple weeks. But I, I, I like their offseason. And remember, they're one of their rivals. Actually, I'll mention a couple of their rivals. So the, the Phillies don't have Harper to begin the season because of his surgery. And the Braves lost Swanson. So th- there's a bit of turnover with the other teams there, whereas the Mets clearly, with their ownership, uh, they are invested on winning every single year. You know, you talk about uh, it's just the difference between the the pitchers and you know the 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 fielders and and like that. But do you remember any uh, stories of guys in you know in a in a lineup that just really hated each other? Because we talk about what a great clubhouse this is, right? And and how you know the chemistry is so good. But you remember any, uh, especially the starting rotation? I could think. You know, I could see that. Look, you can still live with that, right? If you have sure. guys that that uh, that don't like each other. Sure, I, I'm. I'm not necessarily sure that uh, Schilling and Randy Johnson were necessarily exchanging Christmas cards every year uh, okay. after they were done playing, <laughs> but they were co MVPs of the World Series, and you know, famously. Uh, Bonds and Kent uh, did not get along. That's right. Uh, and and I and they got I will, along with nobody else either. Well, I will <laughs> I will I will once again follow up on last week's conversation and say uh, Jeff Kent should be in the Hall of Fame and his personality should not in any way uh, in in the respect of Kent um, sort of influence the negative views that some writers appear to have. I just I can't fathom it. I vote for him every year and I think he'll sail in with the Veterans Committee. So for me, Jeff. 
UF Kent Hall of Famer, and he's uh, I've interviewed him once, and he was great to me then, so I've I have not a bad word to say. Uh, but I I think that those are probably two examples, and and it's interesting to your point, Dave, because you consider how baseball is different from from other sports, and in mm-hmm. in the NBA, I always feel like. In basketball, you can really see chemistry because you're literally sharing the ball all the time right. uh, in, in a very sort of um, democratic sense that you're, you're always sh- – you have to share the ball. It's sort of part of it where there's – you all have agency. Everybody who has the ball in, in a basketball game becomes the quarterback for that time, whereas in football, there's, there's, one, there's one quarterback. Uh, hockey has a little bit of that, but it's so fluid that I think that chemistry is maybe a little bit easier to achieve because it just moves so fast. So I, I think in baseball, because each individual event is so unique um, and, and distinct in the course of a game, that – chemistry maybe isn't that crucial within the confines of a game but i do believe broadly speaking in a in a somewhat a paradoxical way the overall way in which you get along in baseball and have a coherence about your team as the mariners very clearly did in 2022 is so crucial simply because of the amount of time you spend together if yeah. if you don't like your teammates and you're in it from february through october Every day for six, seven, eight, <laughs> nine, ten hours a day, you play every single day. That is, I really think chemistry in that way off the field matters perhaps more in baseball than in any other sport. Hey, it was yeah. somebody I don't know that we've talked to you about is uh, Trevor Bauer. Uh, I was just reading this article where the you know Dodgers uh, CEO and president Stan Caston said the organization's uh, principal decision makers were quote quote, unanimous in their choice to release him, which is it's it's interesting to see a guy who's, I mean, talent-wise, if you're taking out who he is as an individual, just his ability, he's one of the great pitchers in the game. Yet I look at him and go, I don't know if this guy ever steps onto a major league field again. Do you see a team taking a chance on him? It's a fair question. Uh, clearly, we haven't seen anybody do it yet. And uh, I'm not sure what the next steps are in terms of what – he could do at this stage that would change the opinion of of the league overall. Uh, obviously, quite separate from uh, the proceedings going on in in court that that uh, obviously are no longer in, in progress at the moment. Uh, but in in the past, there was enough evidence found on the part of the MLB in, investigation to in front of a an arbitrator uphold the suspension. So clearly, the arbitrator affirmed that they had discovered some conduct that was worthy of the suspension. And that and that I think is is the fact that teams are operating off of. Knowing that there was a suspension, that there was enough um evidence found to suspend, how do you then respond? And it, it seems to me that in in these days and weeks since um since the decision was handed down by the arbitrator, no team has has jumped forward, uh, obviously, to sign him. And, and so it's a fair question to wonder, if not now, then when? And uh, that's where we're at. And, and certainly in, in the realm of, of sports, uh, we've seen uh, controversial people in the past uh, be signed and somewhat to the bewilderment of the sports community. So I would, I would never say never because it, it takes one team. But uh, the, the question of are we seeing a, a move in that direction now I would say overtly from what is being said publicly, the answer to that is no. 
Hey, I asked uh, this question to Jerry yesterday, JP, and, you know, just in a broader sense, you knowing a lot of the GMs and, you know, the people that are making the moves. And I asked him, you know, how hard is it to you build up these this farm system of these great prospects, these young guys, you you know, and like Jerry said, you, you often you start when they're like 16, 17. Right. Then you got to you got to trade them away, man. That's that's got to be that's got to be a really difficult thing for some of these managers. I wonder how many times their emotions get in the way, their attachment to the player over, you know, hey, this is uh, this is what we need to do. Right. And and that's a really interesting question and one that I think is is one that that GMs wrestle with across sports. Uh, it is it is a very very hard job. Yeah. And and I think that it's you know in our own little world of of you know covering the game, and this is my own my only portal to that insight as to what Jerry was articulating, which I think he did very well in, in terms of describing his emotions there. Yeah. For us, you know, we we talk about trades and it's exciting, and you know this this player could get traded here, and isn't that fun to think about? I remember I was reporting on a trade once, and and uh, and the the wife of the player responded to my tweet of the report of the player imminently getting traded the question being to where and then and sort of i was comfortable with that with what i reported and ended up being correct but it was a good reminder to me that behind every tweet that i send about a possible trade there's a family there are kids there are parents and relatives and friends who are wondering where this where their loved one's going to go and i think it's it's a it's an important reminder for all of us and i think on the gm level it's even heightened because we all might think, wow, it would be fun to be a GM of a team. But two things. Number one, you're, you're never really – it's like being a parent. You're never, you never really can sleep quite the same way once you're a parent as you did beforehand because you're always worried about somebody else. And I think in, in baseball, in a professional sense – you're worried about everybody in the in the entire organization. Uh, any injury, any personal issue, any legal issue going on off the field involving anybody, and so you're always concerned about these things. And then these are the same people that you're worried about that you then call in the office and say, "Hey, uh, I'm sending you down to the minor leagues. We're right. cutting you. We're releasing you. We're trading you." Um, it's tough, and I think that that's where I'll say this: the GMs who I find that are most effective and endure. It's a, it's it's a really hard job to do, but you have to be an an incredibly thorough communicator, especially in this day and age when we all got a million text messages coming in and a lot of demands on our time. I always find just you know in terms of my when I talk to agents, talk to players, the most important thing that players feel now is does the organization know me, care about me? communicate with me and are they up front with me and as hard as those conversations are with that jerry would describe when a trade happens and they, they get luis castillo you got our trade noel v Marte. at least if you're having that conversation and it's a tough conversation and if you know that leading up to that that however long you knew that person that you were as honest and forthright as you could be with contracts with where they were going then as tough as that moment is, you can shake hands and leave the room and feel feel good about it. I think it's it's those times, and listen, you, you can't be a perfect communicator to every single person in the organization all the time. We're all human. You just can't do it. But I, I think that the best GMs, the ones that endure, the ones that find a way to when you're bouncing back and, and, and finding a second chance in free agency, you're going to sign a minor league deal, who do I trust to handle me fairly? 
that's the measure, I think, of a team, keeping a good name of your front office out there and, and communicating honestly. And, and I think Jerry articulated that, that commitment that he has very, very well. How big of a deal is the switching from one league to the other these days, considering the amount of interleague play? It's not what it used to be. Uh, for a couple of reasons. Number one, a lot of interleague play. Number two, the universality of the DH is, is key. And I think number three, there's just so much video. There's so much video, and, and we know so much about everybody. Um, we know so much. Honestly, here, <laughs> I remember this. I was in a, I was in a uh, uh, this is, I think, 2007 maybe. I remember uh, the, the Blue Jays had just called up a, a player uh, who had played in the Dominican Republic. And uh, and we were in Jim Leland's office doing the pregame press conference, chatting. And Ramon Santiago, who's one of the all-time great people in baseball, walks by. And Jim says, "Hey, Santi, uh, the Jays just called up Robinson Diaz. I, I think you played against him in winter ball. How how does he like to be pitched? Or, or how can I get him out?" And then Santi says, "Ah, you know, try to do this fastball in. You know, try to throw him the breaking ball down and away. Uh, you know, change up. He's, he's vulnerable there. So so Santi like gives him the scouting report. But that's what they had to go on was Santi walking by the door." <laughs> Yeah. And Jim calling him in. <laughs> at this day and age, you want any at-bat from the Dominican League, from the California League, from the Midwest League, guess what? Click of a button, we got it all. Wow. And so I think that the the amount of information that we have at your fingertips now is just, it's extraordinary. We almost have too much, I think. I think there's a bit of a, uh, at times, uh, paralysis by analysis that goes on in the in, in the baseball family and, and those that maybe take in so much information uh, and those that maybe try too hard. And I, I heard your conversation with, with uh, Jerry about Jared Kalnick, which I think was really interesting to hear what Jerry had to say there. So I, I think that, that that to me... I I really don't think that switching leagues is nearly the big deal that it used to be. You know, you mentioned that I, I interviewed, I did a story on a guy who filmed the Seahawks from the days when, uh, you know, filmed all their practices, uh, Tom Firmstead. And uh, when this is back when they had to go get the film developed you right. know, and then bring it back and then they had to share it. There weren't, weren't two copies or anything. And then, you know, to, to now, and I was mentioning the, you know, all the technology and everything, you know, that you have at your fingertips. And, you know, he did make a comment that, you know, it's almost too much, you know, too much, too much analysis. But, you know, we were, we were talking to, uh, to service when we had him in here the other day. And, you know, I thought he had a, a good answer about, you know, he said, look, as far as the numbers go and the sabermetrics, you know, it's there's no business that's ever not had numbers and had right. not had those kinds of things. But there's also a human side. I don't know if you heard that interview, JP, but I, th- I thought he did a really good job of uh, sort of the, you know, describing the balance that you have to have. Because I do think that it's you have to be somewhere in between. Right. Like the the young guys that just go off of numbers. I think is wrong. And then the older guys that just go off of like what we saw in Moneyball, like, oh, he's got an ugly girlfriend or whatever it is. <laughs> right. That goes, it goes a little too far. That was always a great indicator in the past. I don't One know why way, it fails yeah. now. For some reason, it doesn't work. Uh, but anyway, it seemed, seemed like uh, they have a pretty good handle and probably most good teams do on, on both. I agree, and I think that in Scott's case, remember his background, and I, and I really think he is a he has become over time an even more effective manager than he was at the beginning. And and I like in in modern managers, you know, those that you see their their breadth of experience. He caught he came from a cold weather state. He he 
really grinded his way to the major leagues, became a major league catcher. And then he, he went to work in the farm systems of the Rangers and of the Angels. And so he understands that process. He spent a lot of time uh, working with international players coming in. Uh, and, and those players that sign at 16 from the Dominican, he understands that journey. He understands the, the journey of a college player in the U.S. because he was one. He played at Creighton. And, and you think about the different paths there. People in baseball that have had different experiences, I, I really I admire that. And it's like anything else. It's like hiring someone for any job. The more different lines and experiences they have on their resume, the better they're going to be. I look at A.J. Hinch. He's now, this is his third managerial job in, in Detroit. And, and in some ways, obviously the Houston thing is a, a bit of an asterisk on the entire experience because of how it ended. But he's gotten to be a better and better manager tactically and relationship-wise at every step because he started in player development. Then he managed really before he was probably ready to do it, and he made some mistakes, and he learned from them. And and so that's why I really believe we can't ever make too fixed of an idea about how good a manager is especially because they, they learn so many new things. And I think Scott, as just a, a really balanced leader, has a good feel of, of how to get his players to execute because we can ha- you can have a plan, and it's great. But then you, you go up against the Astros in, in the ALDS, and you're facing – Luis Garcia or Framber Valdez, and how many numbers can you really have running through your mind when when you've got a dominant pitcher sixty feet six inches away from you? You just you have to react. You have to trust your preparation. I think, and that for me is is the the, the dividing line between the players that have ability and then those that can really execute. They're all talented. Once you get to this level, there's talent everywhere. I, I think you're seeing guys like Ty France just through his work ethic and the way that he's brought himself and he has a certain calmness and confidence about him. I think that to me is that last mountaintop for Kelnick to get. Uh, and he's going to be a guy that we're talking about. I mean, he's, he's the guy that we, we always talk about, but we should because he's so interesting. And, and that to me is going to be that last mountaintop for him is how can, how can Kelnick take that talent in the way that, for example, France has where he can sort of slow things down and just, and just be, I think that to me is is something, I, and and Crawford to an extent has done the same thing. I, I think it's going to be up to Kelnick now to do the same thing here this spring. Uh, John, we got about a minute left. I just want to ask you, uh, Matty Beneers, He was going to be the lone representative for the Kraken. He gets knocked out of it with the what most were calling a really cheap hit. I got I got to ask you as a novice hockey fan, how cheap was the hit on him, and how come nobody from his team came in to just squash the guy immediately? What uh, what the heck? I I didn't like it. The hit was the hit was. I think Dave Hackstall's word was garbage, and I I agreed with that assessment in terms of the hit itself. It was just it was a bad hit. Uh, it was not a it was not a hockey play. You know, the, the puck is at the point, and Myers comes back and totally blindsides Beniers uh, a good distance away from the puck. It's just it's clearly textbook interference. I was surprised there was no um, immediate assessment of another um, uh, of another supplemental, supplemental discipline to have a suspension there. But that's a great question about how the, the circumstances of the game. Obviously, the crack when we're about to go on the power play. I understand maybe not in that moment uh, doing it, but I I do think that as often as the Kraken and Canucks will play. Uh, there is a saying in hockey, you take a number, you, you maybe deal with it at some point in time in the future. That might be something that the Kraken deal with in the future where someone has to fight Myers, uh, which is not an easy task, uh, just given how big he is. But I, I think that at that point, when you see how much time Maddie's missing, uh, that, that may become how it's handled there going forward. John, as always, we appreciate it. Great stuff. Have a great weekend, and we will uh, do it again next week. 
Sounds great, guys. Can't wait. Spring training. Uh, we got the WBC roster revealed next week. I love, by the way, <laughs> Matt Brash pitching for Team Canada yeah. and, and even and even working on his role with the Mariners to make sure he can pitch yep. uh, for Ernie Witt and Team Canada. Love that. That's good stuff. All, all right. right. We'll Thanks, talk about JP. it next week, John. Thanks, guys. All the best. Thank you. See ya. There you go. John Morosi with us every week. Our weekly conversation with John Morosi is presented by Stanford's Restaurants. So good stuff from him. Boy, what are they? They're thrown from a tall building to a receiver down on the ground right now, huh? <laughs> yeah, there's all kinds of wacky things going on there. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of fun. They got they got Matt Leinart throwing from, what, the, the replica of the Eiffel Tower out there? Yeah. I, I, what is this, like, dude perfect now? Remember that? Remember the dude perfect guys, Lefko? Help me out here. Yeah. Remember they Pete? They do the trick shots. Pete had them here. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, they would drop like a basketball from the roof to, you know, to make it. Oh, they no, I haven't dr- seen those guys. Drop a football out of an airplane or something like that. Yeah. All right. That's yeah. what they're doing. Interesting here. stuff going on here. All right. Coming up, uh, there is one X factor for determining whether a quarterback will have success. We'll get into that next with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports Station on 710. Wyman and Bob. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports Station. Our thanks to John Morosi for joining us in the previous segment. In case you missed any of that conversation, make sure you check out the podcast page at seattlesports.com after the show. And all of these conversations are there for you. Uh, we've been talking a lot of NFL today. By the way, I was trying to catch up on text. I was scrolling back. The 206 says the NFL is still popular because there's nothing else to watch in the winter. Not because the product is so great. Well, there's college basketball, NCAA hoops. You've got hockey. NBA, you've got hockey. I mean, I'd say there's on. actually a lot of stuff going on. So I'm not. If you don't like it, that's cool. But I mean, come on, man. Come on, man. What is? It? Yeah, there is something else about the NFL. I still think it's. I still think a lot of the allure and. Is because not everybody will do it. Like, and this is Ron Wolfley's quote, and he said that's that's what I liked about it. That like not everybody would willingly enter into, you know, turning your body into a car at a smash up derby, mm-hmm. right? You like you you're hitting some of these guys that are as big as cars, and they're moving fast, and you know, just the risk I think is part of it, and that you, you see some of the hits, and that's where I get really sideways when they want to take away. The hits. Remember the, you know, what was that called? The hit course, or there was like a video of uh, oh, NFL crunch course. Crunch course. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I had that as a little kid. It was one of my favorite videotapes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, was it was a VHS a tape. Yeah. yeah. You, I, did it come from Sports Illustrated or something? Like when you would subscribe to Sports Illustrated, they'd send, you'd get the crunch course video with yeah. your subscription or something. But yeah, it was, it was one just massive hit after another, and it was awesome. Yeah. And I, I, the one thing I remember is that my wife was on on uh, one of them for like briefly, and I was not. <laughs> she wasn't hitting somebody or getting hit, was she? No, they were showing cheerleaders. <laughs> okay, you know, just, just want to make sure. Yeah, I was like, well, at least one of our family got represented in the crunch course or whatever it was. But yeah, I mean, that used to be something like, yeah, we're we're going to put out here. This is what we're marketing. That you know, we're, we're you hit people. I mean, there's these big strong guys that are running fast and they're running into each other and it's incredible i think everybody still loves that part of it and uh you know but yeah it's just it's not it's not for everyone but i think that's part of the allure of yeah, the nfl but but saying well it's 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 the only thing out there is why it's popular yeah i'm sorry man that is really w- as far off the mark as you can be it well, really is they're saying cuz 
that, you know, like these events. Well, but yeah, uh, maybe the Pro Bowl. If you were saying the reason the ratings on the Pro Bowl are typically pretty darn good because there's nothing else. Okay, I might I might yeah. go with you there for a bit, but the league as a whole, the NFL, it's a behemoth. Mm-hmm. It's a behemoth, and not because of the time of year. <laughs> they could play this in the dead of summer, and it would be just as popular. Well, and I already have a complaint about the quarterback <clears throat> accuracy thing that the targets don't aren't made of paper and they don't rip away. Come on. Do you think that impacts their accuracy? No, I don't. I don't know. <laughs> maybe maybe it? it was the the uh, yeah the the present that you get of ripping through the paper when you throw it. I just there's some that satisfaction. Was very to satisfying. Like, Thank you. That's, that's the like, word I was looking for. It's like for. Uh, popping those packing bubbles. Yeah, the little bubbles. <laughs> it's very satisfying. You ever sometimes step on them and yeah, popity pop 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 yeah. pop pop. I, yeah, I, I, I had him. It. Frank doesn't like them though. He his ears go back. He looks around like what the hell was that? So I, I try not to torture him with those. But yes, I do enjoy them. Yeah, very fun. yeah, that's uh, to me. That's what that was. But I, I think I, it'll be interesting to see if they maybe do some kind of a you know how do you isolate the ratings of which event was the most popular. But I mean, look, what is it today? Thursday. Yeah. Thursday at five thirty-five. Started at four thirty, four o'clock, whatever. I'm not sure it's going to have great ratings. Not a lot of people watching that. Probably. So it goes tomorrow as well, or it well, goes keep to in Sunday. Mind, it's seven o'clock on the East Coast. Yeah. So, so it, a lot of people are at home watching. What, what is okay. the schedule on at Left Coast? It's not until Sunday. So today, nothing tomorrow, nothing, nothing Saturday. Saturday, and then Sunday they resume some of these games? Yeah, they do whatever other ones they have, and then uh, the actual 7-on-7. Seven seven. That seems a little odd, right? That you, Hey, we're going to have all this stuff on Thursday, nothing Friday, nothing Saturday. Then we'll have some of those games, and then the flag football game on Sunday. That is kind of weird. That's... that's uh, uh, Seems well, they're, they're trying it out. They're trying to maybe they got some ratings guru or expert that told them what they should do. Yeah. Anyway, they said nothing else is going on. So everybody will watch you on a Thursday is right. how they did it. Uh, do, do we uh, did we change at all our, our level of emphasis we put on coaching when it comes to the success of quarterbacks? I feel like we've kind of just assumed, hey, this guy's great because he's great. And, yeah, they have the talent. Certainly they're the ones making the, the plays and throwing the passes and things. But, you know. We've seen a million guys come through this league, Dave, that have the raw physical tools, cannon arms and size and speed and all these things, but maybe they don't ever really live up to that physical. Jeff George, to me, is the, is the great example. Mm. I couldn't tell you how many people I, I had talked to that said, that guy's arm was ridiculous, like one of the best throwers I've ever seen, and he, he was a big dude, and all he had every intangible, but he was a knucklehead. you know. So it doesn't always equate to success. And some of the coaches he was around, there was there were they would talk about that. Has it has it changed at all now, especially in light of what we saw with Geno and and Purdy and some other quarterbacks you probably didn't think that highly of or have that much of an expectation that the coaching is really more yeah. crucial than maybe we gave credit to. Yeah, I think that's come into definitely come into view, and that's you know I, I think maybe the NFL already knows that because it's a it's a big deal hiring coaches, you know who they get, and you know I think in the coaching world they're like yeah absolutely it's a huge difference. Uh, by the way, Jeff George is if you look at a picture of him, that's a cautionary tale of why in the year 2023 you should not grow a mullet and a mustache. <laughs> Sorry. It's so he's right there. History. You're looking at it when it was fashionable the first time. Yeah. Bob, yeah. history has been crystal clear <laughs> yeah. on the mullet and mustache. I'm with you. Yeah. I'm with you. But, but, um, but no, you know what? I heard somebody else, I can't remember, it was like, Bomani Jones or but anyway somebody in the NFL was was talking about how you know that we have underrated 
how much a coach has an effect. And, mm-hmm. you know, and the beauty of that is, is that, uh, you know, like with Sean Payton, I don't know, they don't divulge their salaries or anything, but they sure gave up a lot for him. So you can imagine it's going to be, but you can pay those coaches however much you want to yeah, pay. Yeah, it's not involved with the salary cap. And you can have as many as you want. And, you know, some of these teams have like 20, 25, 26 coaches. So, but yeah, I thought, you know, Pete, the example with Pete, it was very clear that with him and, and Gino, and then all of a sudden you go back and go, okay, we didn't give him credit for this or that, you know, bringing Russ along. Look, Russ was going to be great, right? But, you know, the way they brought him along, maybe mm-hmm. he doesn't great get great as fast. Yeah, maybe if they cut him loose rather than they, they really put the governor on him to begin yeah. with. Remember, people were wanting him benched. Oh, yeah. Be, is he ever going to throw for 200 yards? I remember that every week. They need to yeah. sit him down, put Flynn in. You know, this kid's not ready and because they, they were running the ball left and right. They was hardly throwing. Yeah. You look at the early numbers. I mean, there were nothing. And then, you know, toward the end of that season is when they, he convinced everybody. But it's it's interesting that, you know, often you'd hear about you'd, you'd praise a coach in any sport. Phil Jackson was a perfect example. Oh, pff, anybody could win with Kobe and Shaq. Like really, Dell Harris didn't do it. Yeah. So why why is that? You know, it, it, it like as long as you've got good players, you're going to win. I, I think Not that's such a case. fallacy. I think you've yeah. seen teams that are loaded with ability in any sport, and often you're going, "How is this team not better?" You've got this guy, you've got this guy, you've got this guy. Yet here they are; they're kind of a middling team. They're they're being beaten by teams they shouldn't lose to, and what have you. They're disappointing. I think those are the moments you go, you know what? As much as it looks like our coach is just rolling out superstars and they kick back, put their feet up, and let them, it's much more involved than I think a lot of people give credit for. And yeah. these are great examples of it. Well, and I think also it's it's a lot. How much to use this guy or that guy? You know, it's kind of like, you know, you got a bunch of butter and eggs and flour. It's like you got to put the right amount in to make yeah. a good cookie. It's just the and that's really where I think that. Um, you know that that Pete excels, and and when he came here, we were kind of reflecting on that earlier. Remember when Pete first came here? I was like, eh, he's a college guy, you know, he's going to be the rah rah guy or whatever. And I and I remember I was listening. I was on East Lake Sammamish Parkway listening to one of his press conferences when he was just got in town, and I was like, man, I I'm starting to really like this guy. And then you know you hear more and more and more, and then all of a sudden you're like, yeah. But I I think that that has yeah. You're right. Bob, we've we've focused so much on these superstars, and rightfully so. Yeah. You know, they're 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 amazing athletes. What they do, but you know, if you if you can get the right you know mixture of them, like like with Russ is a great example. Then uh, yeah, I think this has been a year where that's definitely come to come to a head that we we've all witnessed. Yeah. All right. Coming up, uh, did Cal Raleigh make the list of top catchers in baseball? We'll let you know if. Oh boy! MLB Network lets gonna, us know. Here we go again. We're going to have the <laughs> deadline again, like yesterday. Should we so say to Brian Kenny? All right, I was going to say something. I'll, I'll save it. It would be kind of blowing the surprise, but we'll we'll let you know what we can next with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports Station on seven ten. Wyman and Bob, powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio on Seattle Sports Station. We anxiously await the unveiling of the top 10 catchers, according to MLB Network. They've found their way through eight of them. We're still waiting for one and two, but... I like that uh, that Lefko is incredibly annoyed by this. What's bugging Lefko? Yeah, well, th- that might be the theme for tomorrow. So, the, 
you do you have the parameters for which they use to to create this list? Is a fan vote involved at all? No, these are these people selecting. Because they've each exposed their own individual yeah. lists. Yeah. And Cal Raleigh has been on all of their lists so far, in various positions, six, they just, seven. They weigh every factor. The yeah. 10 really? best right all the now ones in you've baseball. Seen. These, four, these four people, yeah, they, when they're talking, they pop up their own personal list next to him. And he's been, you know, one guy's list like here, he's number six on this guy's list. Uh, her wow. her list, uh, was he was number seven. So he's made the top 10. But just looking at their official unveiling, uh, Tyler Stevenson is number 10. Danny Jansen is number nine. Number eight is Salvador Perez. Uh, number seven is Travis Diarnod. Uh, Alejandro Kirk, little tiny dude. Yeah, guy from little, Toronto. Yeah, a little spark plug. He's yep. number six. Wilson Contreras is five. Sean Murphy is a guy I thought that would be in the top two. He's number four. And Adley Rushman is number three, oh. the rookie. So we're waiting on the top two. See, that's why I don't understand why they don't go the other way. Because you wouldn't wait. Would you well, be... then we wouldn't have to wait till the end. Oh, would, I saw highlights of Cal. Would there be great anticipation on your part for, man, I wonder who's number 10. Yeah, I just want to get through it, man. <laughs> well, at least, you know, we're going off the air. Uh, it would be like, okay, well, at least we know, you know, number one and two. <laughs> Dave, Dave hanging out. I, I got to see who number eight is. I, I know who one through seven are, but I need yeah, eight, nine, and ten. <laughs> <laughs> Why do they start there? And uh, they're going to another commercial. These... Guys. Brian Kenny knows how to annoy everyone. Well, it, yeah, by talking. It's almost if, as if I don't know show business at all. Well, <laughs> logically speaking, it just makes no sense why you have a one-hour show, devote all this time to unveiling the top eight, and then give yourself no time to talking about the top two. It's a great point, Mike. Wouldn't you, think you, wouldn't you think you want more analysis yeah. on the best two at a position? Yeah, the last two should take care like about 15 Wyman's minutes. number eight. Yeah. yeah. Uh, just get to it already. Right. Don't care about Wyman's eight. Yeah, because totally agree. especially since these lists seem to be in some ways in stark oh, contrast to their own personal lists. Yeah, we uh, we didn't even get to announce yesterday the pitcher Corbin Burns. No wonder oh, they right. want to now <laughs> give some analysis on him. Yeah, I, I they're just, like, oh yeah, here's number one. All right, we're done. Yeah, I'm not clear on what their what their factors are. <laughs> you know, I mean, you can look at WAR. You can. I don't think wins and losses matter when it comes to a starter. But you look at ERA. You look at WHIP. You're looking at all these different aspects and he didn't seem to win against a lot of the guys in any of those particular categories yet he was he was number one on that list so we'll see who number one and two is on this list but i'm going to just go ahead and say i don't think cal raleigh made the list even though he's on each of their individual lists the official so the official criteria it says uh, on their big comprehensive article they use it based on past player performance a number of offensive and defensive metrics both advanced data and traditional numbers, and then analysis by that research team. Mm. Now, there was a mm. fan list, and Cal Raleigh came in at number three. On the fan list. Yeah, so good job, fans. They're more knowledgeable than than these uh, schmageggies. Yeah, it's okay when they vote for us, but when it's Toronto and Canadians, forget it. You know, We don't, we don't want to hear that. <laughs> exactly. We don't want that at all. Um, yeah, don't you think it's cool, though? Like, okay, we have a right fielder. We have a center fielder who was number three. Right fielder, Teoscar Hernandez, was number eight. Um, and then, you know, we had uh, Andres Munoz, who was number eight, I think, in the, the bullpen, right? Yeah. And then... Colton Wong was on the get, list as well. Colton Wong was on the list. Yeah. Ty yeah. France was on it. Ty, yeah. Was Ty number seven or eight? They were all kind of, except for Julio, they were all kind of in that lower seven to nine range. Yeah. But so, well represented. I mean, I'll take it, man. I'll take it. I think well, it's cool. You're going to be annoyed if Cal Raleigh doesn't make it. Well, yeah. I'm going to be annoyed if they don't That's, announce it yeah, here in the next the two thing. minutes. But... um. Yeah, I mean, did you expect more? I mean, when's the last time they had a team here 
that you would have seen MLB.com, you would have seen that many. That many Mariners? That many Mariners in there. That's a good question. I don't know. That's uh, Mark it down. No, that it's was good, good not great. Bob said it was a good question. We, we hold ourselves to a higher standard here, Dave. We're not we're not mid-days. Look, at, you know what? This is ridiculous. I mean, we're watching. They're the ones that wrote good question up there. That's just a statement of fact. <laughs> yeah. We're watching a commercial of a guy trimming his nose hairs. <laughs> Why can't we get the top ten catchers? This is a joke. Yeah, ridiculous. I love MLB Network, but I, we got to talk to JP. They're keeping you tuned in through these commercials to tell those guys that that paid to have their commercial on their airwaves. Look at the look at the ratings while your commercial. Yeah, I guess the nose hair trimmer people are <laughs> making big bucks here. Yeah, they're going. We're, we're all held captive. We're all sitting there going, you know, while I'm waiting for numbers one and two to be unveiled, I'm going to order this nose hair trimmer. This looks handy. So yeah, it's it's all very convenient. Now they're recapping Dave ten through six and five and four three, and then we'll get two and one here. Yeah, there we go. It's an injustice. This whole thing. This yeah, whole- it is. Uh, anybody <laughs> from the Oakland A's, we don't really like them so much. Adley Rushman, you knew he was going to be the big popular guy, right? Well, but that that sort of was- removes past performance out of it. Lefko said that was part of their formula. Well, his past performance is pretty good. Well, he's only got that one year. Though. <laughs> Yeah. It's good? Yeah. Okay. Well. So I guess he benefits in uh, less time to, oh, well, look at this. Yeah, they're just we'll comparing compare a couple guys that haven't been named yet. Yeah, JT, Real Muto, and Cal Raleigh. Now, uh, do you think if he doesn't get two, he's probably not getting one, right? That's not a favorable comparison there either. Arm strength, they've got Real Muto at one, Raleigh at ten. Uh, exchange, tied for third, tied for 39th for Cal Raleigh, and then average pop time. He's uh, first, real Muto, and he's uh, got intangibles though. Raleigh's twenty six. He's, he's the big dumper. He's got, he's, Come on, he's got his own bobble bobblehead, bobble butt. <laughs> Somebody just sent in a text said, "I see why they didn't want a TV in the studio." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what was the line? Uh, we don't watch sports; we talk about sports. Yeah, that like was a, that was a good one. But sometimes you have to watch. Yeah. Well, no, wait. Every time. You have to watch. Yeah. But, yeah, this is just particularly annoying. Unfortunately, we're only going to have time to see number two. And yeah, we obviously would not do this, ladies and gentlemen, if it wasn't the Mariners and it wasn't our guy, Big Dumper, who was yeah. our, our lunch there's guest a, There's a local vested interest here. We yeah. wouldn't be just talking about random, you know, ear hair commercials. Yeah. What are you pointing at there, Lefko? They're showing, they're showing Cal Raleigh. Well, because they were just comparing the two, and it seemed like they were trying to draw a stark contrast. Here's a guy that's really good in all these categories. And here's another guy we kind of like, but look at how far down he is in these categories. Hey, they the have way, drawn this one out more than they did the pitchers yesterday. This by is the absurd. way, text it in if you if you think that like if you shave your ear hair, does it really grow back thicker? Because <laughs> whenever the lady wants to shave like the top of my ears, I'm like, no, 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 I got like the peach fuzz going on oh. up there. I don't I don't want big black hairs coming out of my ears. <laughs> you don't want a mustache on top of your ear, exactly. Yeah, that, is that is nobody that true? wins. I'm not sure if that is if that's true with ear hair. That's the old wives' tale, right? Anywhere, they, yeah. Supposedly, you shave it. Comes Remember back when uh, Kramer shaved his chest? Or oh, Jerry, that's right. Jerry right, did. He didn't yeah. Make it. Guess we got to go. He didn't make it. All right. So they're still not unveiling him. This guy. is number Will Smith, number two. Oh well, okay. Yeah. So it's going to be real Muto, yeah. number yeah. one. Yeah. All right. So there, boy. What you're intrigue. number one with us, big dumper. Yeah, you're certainly in the top ten, for the love of God. All right, coming up, Paul Moyer weighs in on the new Pro Bowl, refereeing, everything else going on in the NFL. That's coming up with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports Station on 710.